You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Wish all of you dads out there happy Father's Day as well. My name is David Kennard. I'm one of the pastors here. And let me just uh, follow up what Dave was just saying there in the video with saying just how uh, much we love him and appreciate he and his family. It's no small endeavor to be a pastor in one local church for nearly 20 years. That's just unheard of in so many contexts. And so we're so grateful for the sacrifices and for the investment. Uh, that he has made over the years to the family of Riverside. And glad they're not going anywhere. He's just changing uh, careers and they'll still be in the Oakmont campus uh, most weekends, I'm sure, in the months to come. So uh, if you'd like to send something to them, a card or any, any notes, you can always send those to the church office and we'll be happy to get those to him if you uh, were close to Dave and would like to express your gratitude to them. So as Michael mentioned before we started that video and throughout the morning, today we are continuing in part three of this series that we've entitled Eyes Wide Open. And I want to welcome those of you who are listening by podcast today. As we continue this series, you can open up your Riverside apps and follow along there. If you need a paper Bible, there are some in the chairs below you there. Always encourage you to follow along there. And if you are new today and I've not had the chance to meet you, I'd love the opportunity to meet you after the service and just answer any questions you might have about Riverside and and who we are uh, as a church family. Riverside has been in a theme since last September. That theme is, comes out of a statement that Jesus made in the first century where Jesus said to the crowds the day that he was teaching, he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the fullest. And so we've been exploring what does it look like to live a fully alive life in Christ. If Jesus came to give us this abundant and satisfying life, what should that look like? And so we've been talking about in each one of the series that we've been in, different characteristics or different um, aspects of a, of a person that's alive, that's actually breathing. So breathing, respiration was one of those that we recently covered. This specific series addresses the issue of when you are fully alive, you have the ability to sense what's going on around you. When you are no longer breathing, you can't sense anything that's around you. And so we're looking at, in this specific series, this proverb that kind of serves as the overarching idea. And in this series, we've been looking at a chapter of Proverbs a day. We've been reading that together uh, as a church family. Hopefully, you've been participating. But this verse that kind of serves as the overarching theme is simply this. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. That's this whole idea of what we're looking at this month. And so the Proverbs are pithy statements. They're wisdom statements. They're not promises. They're actually just general statements of truth. And I'm going to actually look at a promise, or a proverb rather, that has been interpreted as a promise and has caused so much hurt and grief and disconnect today. We're going to get to that a little bit later on, so stay tuned for that. But I want you to, you need to know right out of the gate, as we look here today at this specific subject matter, that the Proverbs are just that. They're wisdom statements. They are not promises from God. And if you've confused that over the years, that'll really help you to have some understanding as those, uh, regarding the Proverbs. So what we did before we began this series was we said, okay, these Proverbs generally tend to be about a general subject matter. And of course, on Father's Day weekend, you can't help but get away from the truth that there are many, many Proverbs that address the subject of parenting. 
And so perhaps you're not a parent uh, and you've already passed that parenting stage. You say, okay, well, this message isn't for me. Or perhaps you're not a parent yet, but you hope to be someday. And you're saying, oh, I don't know. Should I really be paying attention? Should I take some notes? Yes. And here's another thing. You may become a parent someday, and maybe you didn't have the best of parents, and you didn't get that good, solid foundation, and there's kind of been some thoughts about that as you've gotten older. Today, you can lean into the wisdom that God would give you and have a, uh, have a head start on being a great parent when that time comes in your own life. Maybe you know somebody who you're saying, ooh, I wish they were here today. I watched them, and it looks pretty rough when they're parenting. That's what podcasts are for. That's what links to notes are for. You can pass those on to other people who might benefit from that. You might be a grandparent, and you're saying, thank God I'm past parenting, but I need to help. I need some help. I need some wisdom. I need some guidance to try to help my own grandchildren. Or maybe you're an aunt or an uncle. Wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, this can apply to you. And what I want to do is I want to share with you, toward the end of our time together, I want to share with you simply three questions that are not original with me. I uh, came across them years and years ago, uh, probably 12 or 13 years ago when our kids were still in that grade school time period that helped to give me a grid and helped to give me a framework and Amy and I as parents to question, questions that opened our eyes, if you will, to use our current series idea to help me to have some help with regard to parenting. And so I want to share those with you. But before we get into that, I want to take you back to 1997. To July of 1997. I was 25 years old. I had been married not uh, just right at about a three, the three-year mark, and I was a youth pastor. There were three of us on staff at this church where I came from before Amy and I came to Riverside. We had about 500 uh, students in this student ministry, and there was a junior high youth pastor, a senior high youth pastor, and then I kind of oversaw all of the adult volunteers and the admin and the organizational side of the student ministry. And we decided that we were going to take an inner city missions trip to New York. So we took about 50 or so students from Missouri and, and a few adults, and we go into partnering with the New York School of Urban Missions, NISM is the name of it, and they would partner with local churches. And our purpose was to then support a local church. The one that we were assigned was to take a vacation Bible school experience into inner Harlem. So you've got 50, between 50 and 60 Missourian, rural Missourian folks heading into Harlem to add value into this culture. And so we were doing a vacation Bible school where the parents would come, they would bring their kids, and we would teach them about God, we would have some sports activities with them. And then, because I was the oldest of the three youth pastors, and I was the only one who was married, I was given the task of a week-long did I mention I had no children? I was 25 years old. I was given a week-long assignment of doing a parenting conference with these Harlem families. Talk about in over my head. Talk about in uh, just a way stretching out of my comfort zone. But that was my assignment. And I was texting with the two, with my two friends that were youth pastors back then. And one of them said, it's amazing those parents let us take their kids. <laughs> like if we just look back, it's just crazy to think about how we, we could barely even spell parenting. 
at that stage. And here I am given this assignment to invest in and thank God for his word that we can stand on his word even though we don't always have, most, most of the time we don't have all the answers, we can stand on God's word. And so here I find myself now, all of these years later, with two high school graduates and I've still got a few things to learn about parenting as we walk through this next season and certainly someday into grandparenting. And so I want to just share with you beginning with this idea of what are you currently learning? I'm still learning in this season of my own life, but what are you learning? What are we learning when it comes to families and when it comes to relationships? What are you learning in this season of social distancing? And I've talked to so many, dozens and dozens of Riversiders over the phone and through texts and emails and all kinds of conversations we've had over these last several months about what families are actually learning and what marriages are learning, what couples are learning, because again, we've all had this experience collectively together of been going through the course of life and all of it comes to a screeching halt. And what a mistake what a tragedy it would be if we couldn't actually learn from this season and grow through this season, especially as it relates to our relationships. And so as I've been talking with families, I've been talking with individuals about all of this that we're learning in this specific season, I've been hearing some eye-opening revelations, and we've had them even in our own home with just Amy and I and, and Jenna in this season um, it's, but it, again, it's the pace of life has been so drastically different for most people, not, not everybody, but for most. And I've been hearing these kinds of things like from families in, in Riverside. We discovered games again, board games, card games, um, puzzles. We started doing puzzles together. Anybody pull out any puzzles during this season? Hey, you learn, you're like, oh yeah, a puzzle. Yeah, I remember those. A puzzle. Um, one family said popcorn and movies. We just hadn't done that in, in years together as a family, sitting down, all of us together. Most families are saying we've learned the, and we've had to relearn the art of face-to-face -face conversations in a whole new way. There's just nowhere to go. We couldn't escape. We had to learn all over again what it was like. And then I've heard several families, especially since things start to open back up, how much they enjoy just the family outings, being able to do something together, get out and enjoy some time. They're treasuring their relationships and they're treasuring their interactions. And prior to this pandemic that we find ourselves in, may I submit that we may have been living and striving for what I would call an experience-rich kind of family culture. In other words, prior to this, everything getting shut down and slowing down, we were all about, I've gotta give my family, and specifically in the arena of parenting here, I gotta give my families this experience, this experience, this experience. I gotta have them in, in academics. I've gotta have them in sports. I've gotta have them in the arts. Then we've gotta have a great vacation. Then we've gotta have great friendships. Then we gotta get to the pool. Then we've gotta get to this. Then we gotta do this. And it's just experience after experience after experience after experience. But what, the hap what happens in the byproduct of that, if we're not careful and if we're not intentional, is that we'll have this great experience-rich culture, but we'll end up with a relationship poor culture. And we don't even realize that it's happening. We're always going and doing, but we're not really practicing honor and being honorable, and we're not really practicing taking time to cultivate the depth of relationships that God has made us for 
as families. And what ends up happening is, is we're running and gunning and we're constantly going, but we end up exhausted. In fact, I've talked to literally dozens of people who have realized because they were forced to stop, they were realized just how exhausted they really were. And we're now after three and a half, four months of being quarantined, we have different kinds of exhaustion. But families early on were saying, wow, we've slowed down. And here's the thing, exhaustion is always the enemy of living a fully alive life. And it's hard to parent that way as well. So as we get into this, I want to just share with you just some, some, um, some traps, some traps that I, I've seen over the years. Certainly, we've struggled with them as parents to avoid traps we can fall into or temptations, you might say, in disguise. And there are three of them. There were lots that I could have chosen from, but I know three of them I hear constantly a good bit from parents. They're in your notes there. The first one is this simple trap that we can fall into, getting kids to do things on time is a matter of life and death. We just feel like we have got to get them to do everything on time, and that is like the hill to die on as parents. We're just gonna die on that hill. And then there's one that kind of goes with this. And I'd rather you didn't tell my kids this because I certainly fell into this trap. I was raised with this trap. And Jenna, just don't listen right now if you would, please. It's this that a clean room equals godliness. Did you know that you can have a messy room and still be godly? At least I've heard that that's the case. (laughs) That hill of dying on the clean room, I gave that up long ago, but that's what I believed as I was coming in. In fact, when I came into that parenting conference in Harlem so many years ago, I had a whole bunch of theories and beliefs and, and, and strategies, and then I realized, wow, I had a lot of learning, I had a lot of growing to do, and there's nothing wrong with having strategies and reading and studying and developing. In fact, I put a bibliography in your notes today for you to click on and go look at a whole bunch of books that we've read over the years, but... But you can't, you can't die on that hill that you got to get everything done all the time. Now, second thing, another trap, a temptation in disguise, is this one. Dressing kids in the right clothes is of utmost importance. And today in our world, social media posts and trying to get our kids to look just perfect for the social media post, even though it takes us 34 pictures to get just that look, is exhausting. And so it's not all about doing everything right on time. It's not all about dressing in the exact right set of clothes. And number three, we must constantly be on the move. We've got to have all those activities and sports and the arts. And don't hear me saying there's anything wrong with those things. But if your family culture ends up rush, 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 you'll miss out on the depth of relationships. Because here's the thing. If all you're, all you're pursuing is experiences, when we reach adulthood, in fact, all of you who are adults in this room, you know this to be the truth. When we reach adulthood, it's our ability to have deep, rich, mature, and meaningful relationships that makes life worth living. Experiences ultimately leave us wanting. In fact, there are many of us who are saying, you know what, I've got the vacation, finally it's scheduled. It's been rescheduled three times, right? You've been looking forward to it. And here's the thing, you go away on that vacation and it's the perfect destination 
and you can still have a great experience, but you get home and a few weeks later, you're still left wanting. Or you go to that perfect spot and you have that perfect vacation and then the kids get sick and they're just, you know, miserable the whole time or you get sick and you've, you're just, you've built up this experience in your mind and you end up going, ugh, that was awful. Wasted all that money and you still are left wanting. But the relationships are really where it's at and God has put that in us. We're hardwired to that end. And so the question we've got to ask ourselves is, are we fostering the kind of fully alive families that will help us to live wisely because a fully alive follower of Jesus is a person who senses their everything around them, they interpret that those things around them, and then they live with wisdom. So, another thing that I have noticed over the years, certainly it was within me as I started out as a father, is that there are often two extremes when it comes to parenting. And God has a sense of humor, and oftentimes he will bring two people together who tend to fall into one of these two extremes, which is always fun for moms and dads to try to navigate this with each other. The two extremes are over-discipline and under-discipline. Over-discipline is when you overreact and you're so controlling and you're so angry and you're volatile and you get way too hard. You get way, you love the discipline. You're like, take your belt off or whatever and say, this is going to hurt you worse than it is me. That's when you enjoy that, that's unhealthy. Okay. I always heard when I was growing up, this is going to hurt me, son, worse than it is you. And I was like, no, it doesn't. And then on the other side, you got the under-discipline and you're under-involved. And so there's got to be a balance somewhere in between. And the scriptures speak to both of those extremes. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, in the New Testament, post-resurrection, Paul says these words. Parents, don't be so hard on your children. Raise them properly, teach them, and instruct them about the Lord. And then in Proverbs, you'll see three consecutive ones there that speak of correction. Don't fail to correct your children. You won't kill them by being firm. And it may even save their lives. Correct your children, and they will be wise. If you correct your children, they will bring you peace and happiness. And so again, it's not becoming so uninvolved that you're no help, and it's not becoming so controlling and over-correcting and over-disciplining that you crush your child's spirit. There's got to be that middle ground somewhere. In fact, I would submit to you that restriction doesn't work. Fewer rules and more conversations are what's required to raise up a godly generation. Fewer rules, in fact, God parents us this way as well. Fewer rules and more conversations, and you will never regret bathing your whole family culture in grace and your parenting culture in grace. You know you want it, when you've messed up and you know you need it and your kids need to know that grace is there when they mess up as well, when they make mistakes. You'll never regret living with grace-based parenting. Now, having said all of that, I wanna get you to think about specifically three relationships that you need to keep your eye on as a parent and in a family. These three relationships directly connect to the three questions that we're gonna look at. 
The first one is our relationship with our kids. And again, if you're, uh, if, if you're a kid or you're a teenager here, you need to contextualize this. It goes both ways. So you need to keep your eye on your relationship with your kids and kids with your parents and be thinking about that and keeping your eyes wide open on that relationship. Then you need this relationship with God as well. You need to keep your eyes on and your eyes wide open regarding our relationship with God, and then last but not least, with others who are outside of our home. And as a parent, it's our responsibility. It's incumbent upon us as aunts and uncles and as grandparents that all of us would help in this raising up of a godly generation, keeping our eyes on these relationships. And, and think about this. If you're, if you're down the road a little ways, if you could go back and put on the godly lenses. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe the church is all new to you. Maybe you did, but then you kind of just rejected it and kind of walked away for a while. If you could go back and redo some of the things in the past, put on those godly lenses, how would it change your friendships? How would it change your dating relationships? Some specific moments with parents along the way seasons with God, or even decisions that you've made over the course of the decade. Simply put, we are the sum total, we're the result of our experiences, our choices, and our relationships. And as parents, we can tend to want to control all of that. We may not be able, in fact, I would submit to you that the older they get, you cannot control our kids' experiences, or their choices, but we can certainly influence the relationships that they have with us, that they have with God, and that they have with others. Never, ever, you're, one of the top things I've learned as a father all these years is to never learn, uh, never lose influence. Never lose influence. I can't control my kids, but I can help point them in a godly direction. I can help influence them. And when we influence them, we're ultimately not influencing them to us. We're influencing them in the instruction, if we're followers of Jesus, in the instruction and the fear and the admonition of the Lord. In fact, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is a great way to help us to understand and to filter through all of this. In fact, here in this, we see this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Our responsibility as parents is to model this and to help our kids get a hold of this, that our trust ultimately is in the Lord. Why? Because it's in Jesus, it's in the Heavenly Father, that we find the forgiveness of sin and the grace and the mercy that we need, and it is that good news of Jesus and of our Heavenly Father and what they have done for us in sending the Holy Spirit that breaks the cycles of brokenness in families and in parenting. So we begin by trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, and then we lean not on our own understanding. Because when it's our own understanding, we're going to mess it up. And so we lean into our Heavenly Father. And for his help, we trust not in our own understanding. And then notice this, in all your ways, not some part, not multiple choice, not smorgasbord choosing, but here it's all your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge him, obey him is really what that means and he will make your paths straight. Here's the great news. 
If you're kind of feeling all alone as a parent, hear me this morning. Don't miss this. If you're watching your kids and you're a grandparent and they feel like they're all alone, go home today and tell your grandchildren, tell your children this. You have a partner in the parenting process. And that partner is your heavenly father. He wants you to help enhance your relationship with him. To the point that, this is so important, to the point that our kids understand that they are accountable to our heavenly father, to their heavenly father, and at the same time that God is responsible for them, that God feels responsible for them. They're accountable to him to obey him and his word and his wisdom. You gotta get that in there. And they need to see that you are as a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle as well. But not only that they're accountable, because if you lean into that side alone, it won't complete the relationship. They need to understand and see so clearly that God also feels responsible for them, that he has their back that he has their best interest in mind, that he's got good plans and good purposes for them. It's a both and, not an either or. And generally speaking, for us as people, we tend to lean lean into naturally one side or the other. It's It's not either or, it's both and. We're accountable, but he also feels responsible. And when you get a hold of that, you begin to get this fully alive life in Christ. Proverbs chapter 30, uh, 13 rather, continues that conversation that Michael began with us last week about who's the inner circle of a person's life. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And so not only are we watching this dial, this idea of our relationship with our kids, not only are we paying attention to this relationship with the father, and with God, but we're also paying attention to this relationship with others outside of our homes. So kids that are here in the room, students that are here in the room, those that might be listening by podcast, when, you're, when your parents freak out about a friendship or a relationship or maybe a dating connection that you're starting to make, please know this. They're probably not reacting to the moment right now. They're reacting to what they see four years from now as you continue down that path. And they may overreact, give them some grace, give them some love, but they, they're not just, I mean, they may be reacting totally there, but they see four, five, six, seven, eight steps down the road, and you're like, man, I, I, just, I just texted him. I just, I just took her call, and they're going, wow but it's because they see the train wreck because they know the mistakes they've made in their own life. And so we have to constantly be hanging on to that. But it matters. In fact, I I love this statement that Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says this, your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. There's just, I don't know how else to say it more clearly than that. It has a huge impact, the people that you allow in your inner circle. Now, before I give you the three questions, I want to address the myth of a proverb that is often understood as a promise. And again, if this is new to you, this will begin to explain why you've seen, why maybe you've heard something taught and you felt like a guarantee and then your actual experience, either as a parent or a grandparent, what you're experiencing now or maybe what you experienced decades ago or years ago. This one comes out of Proverbs 
chapter 22 and verse six. This is what it says. Start children off or train up a child in the way he or she should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Here's how this translates. If I do A, B, and C in teaching my, my child or my children about the things of God, about the purposes and the plans and the teaching and the word of God, then I will get an amazingly godly adult child. And nothing is guaranteed in that arena. And it's heart-wrenching and it's heartbreaking. And what the, what the writer of Proverbs is saying here is that generally speaking, when you plant seeds of righteousness, you're gonna get that crop eventually. And that's generally a statement that is that can be considered true, but it is not a promise. And God weeps with us and his heart is broken with us as parents as we invest and as we pour into and then we don't necessarily see the return on investment right away. Maybe it's years or even decades. But the truth is, is you cannot control the outcomes. And if you've been let down, if you've, if you've been taught that as a promise and you've been let down by that and you've seen it not work out and you're hurt and you're frustrated and you're mad at God, please let me reframe that for you. God is inf infinitely concerned and intimately concerned about the trajectory of your life and of your children's lives. But once your child has grown up, they've gotta make their own adult decisions. And so that's something that's so difficult and it's, we could have hours and hours of conversation about that, and I've literally talked to so many families and so many parents that thought they had put and done what they were supposed to do and that didn't get the result that they thought that they were guaranteed. And maybe someday you will, but you're just not guaranteed that. And it's difficult and it's heartbreaking. And it's just the reality of our world that we live in today. There's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy our kids, no matter how old they are. And so we pray for them, we lift them up, we do what we can on our end, and we pray and we watch, and they have to make their own decisions. Now, having said that, I want to give you these three, what I consider, were, they were very eye-opening questions to me. Again, they were not original with me, but they're designed, and they, they're designed to give you a framework, a bit of a grid to which you can parent. And there is no magic formula here but I wanna give you these three questions that address these three relationships that we've been talking about. First one in your notes is this. What am I doing to enhance my child's relationship with me? Again, if you're a teenager or a child here in the room, you can contextualize this for yourself. What am I doing to enhance my relationship with my parents? So for us as parents, what are we doing to intentionally enhance our relationship with our kids. Listening to what they value, paying attention to how they're wired, looking for their love language, looking for how God has crafted them and shaped them and their interests and their passions. And those are gonna constantly fluctuate, but that's the hard work of parenting, that we're intentionally paying attention to what would most, in this season, what would most enhance my relationship with my kids or my parents. Second question, what am I doing to advance my child's relationship with God? Now, you can't make them do those things, but you can put yourself and your kids 
with an intentionality into positions and into places and into circumstances where they can take steps forward in their relationship with God. As I was talking and thinking about this message, and Amy and I have been talking, we're so grateful to have had the partnership of Riverside in the kids' ministry and in the student ministry all of these years. This is why our kids' team, this is why Nexus Student Ministry exists, to partner with us as families, not to replace us, but to partner with us to raise up fully alive, fully devoted kids in the nursery, kids in preschool, kids in elementary, students that are in junior high and in senior high, and even the table and the young adult ministry is to raise up, partnering with us, not replacing us, but helping to take the journey together. So Rachel and Dana back there, thank you for what you do. And if Donnie and Shelly were here, I would say thank you to them. But thank you for what you do every single week to pour into, whether it's digitally or in person, our kids. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just too hard to do it on your own. You need people to help advance our kids' relationship with God. And then last but not least is what am I doing to influence my child's relationship with others outside our home? This is where you plant seeds of righteousness. This is where you plant seeds of honor and worth and value so that your kids treat everyone the way that Jesus would want our kids to treat each other, but also those that they come in contact with that are outside the home. This is where you instill in them love of God and love of others, sacrificially giving their life to a life of love. And I want to share with you three questions that I've literally come across in, this, in these last three weeks that if I were starting over in parenting, I would want to have these questions under this idea of how to enhance and influence my, my kids' relationship with others. Three questions that I didn't have 21 years ago when we started this parenting journey in our own family. And it, it's, it's to lead our kids, not just in the godly direction, but leading them intentionally away from some things that devalue the worth of other people, of other genders, of other races, of other backgrounds. And here's the, here they are. First question that I've just recently heard that would be in my mind as a parent new today, am I on the right side of history? Of teaching my kids and myself as a parent and as just as a man, as a husband, am I on the right side of history? In other words, someday history is going to judge our generation. And I want to be on the right side. I want to be on the godly side, the Christ-honoring side of what's going on in our world in every arena of life. Second question that I'd be asking my kids to consider is how do people who don't look like you experience you? How do people who don't look like you experience you? And then the, the third question is this. It's, it goes with this one. How should people who don't look like you experience you? How should people that don't look like me experience me? I'm wrestling with that in my own life right now, and I would certainly be doing that as a parent in this season or a grandparent in this time in our world's history. Because at the end of the day, it's not what we do, but who we are that gives us value. 
And that's an important principle to over and over and over again instill in your kids. It's not their performance that makes them worth more or less. It's who they are in Christ. It's who they are as a human being, the worth and the value that they have intrinsically because they've been created in the image of God Almighty. It's not their performance. It's not what they do. Those things matter, but first and foremost, it's who they are because of whose they are. So as the worship team comes back, I want to just give you notice there in your notes. You'll see that there are some places for you to think intentionally about ways to influence your child's relationship with you, with God, and with others. And then there's an assignment in there, and that's up to you as to whether or not you do that. But I want to encourage you to intentionally evaluate your family culture and what you're doing. Is it, are you having an experience-rich family culture, or is it, and the result is relationally poor? There's got to be a balance somewhere in the middle of all of that. And then I encourage you again to take a look at, there's a link inside there if you'd like to pass that on to some others that you think, ooh, I wish they'd have been here today. There's a great resource. And I, you never arrive as a parent. You never arrive as a grandparent. We've got to remain teachable. And so there's always something to learn from somebody else. And that's why I put that list of resources in there for you today. Would you bow your hearts? I don't want to pray for us. And then we're going to sing and So again, for some of us, we hear all of this and we think, not a a parent, not ever planning on being a parent, won't be a parent, or I'm done with all of that. There are people in your world that could benefit from these questions, and I want to encourage you to share them. Pray for the right time. Share a podcast. Share the content, the notes from this, because it can really add value. Who are you going to process what you've heard today with. And where do we all have work that we need to do? And, and I, honestly, who hopes, as, as, as you're seated there this morning, maybe you're listening by podcast, who is it that is hoping that you'll apply what it is that you've heard today? Who hopes you'll get to work on what we've talked about here this morning together? Who hopes that you're going to get to work on that soon? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for being the ultimate parent. You get us. You're loving, you're patient, you're kind, and you're gentle. And and yet, Father, at the same time, you're firm and you're not afraid to correct us and even discipline us, even when we don't like it. You do it because you care. And so help us, Holy Spirit, to see with fresh eyes our responsibility to help raise up the next generation to live fully alive for your glory. Forgive us, Lord, for our mistakes and our failures. Help us to not beat ourselves up and help us, Lord, not to walk away from today with shame or with guilt. And yet all at the same time, help us to embrace the conviction that you offer to help us reflect your character and your nature to our children, to our grandchildren, to our nieces and to our nephews. Open our eyes, Heavenly Father, wide open to let the relationships 
that we have in our lives, the ones that we can influence, open our eyes to those things and grant us the sensitivity to navigate through the myriad of conversations in our homes these days. Lord, if we're honest, we often feel in over our heads. And we need your words, we need your wisdom to know what to say, as well as what not to say, when to speak up, and and Lord, when to remain silent. Help us to learn the art of becoming great question askers. And then, Lord, help us to be silent and listen when we ask the questions. Enable us to let go a bit and to trust you with our kids versus that desire that perhaps some of us have to want to control it all. Help us not to isolate, but to engage with the Riverside family, to partner together in kids' ministry, student ministry, to raise up a generation that is being pointed in a godly direction. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.